All right, so uh, we like to plan the sermon series out a few months in advance, and a couple of months ago, Rob was like, I think I'm going to preach on Habakkuk, and I was like, Habakkuk, awesome, I don't really know, I mean, I know it's a minor prophet, but I don't really know much about that, that'll be interesting, and then Rob said, and by the way, I'm going away on vacation, so you're preaching the sort of history behind Habakkuk. So the first thing I did was find out that it's not actually Habakkuk, it's Habakkuk. So that's fun and interesting and probably the last time I'll say it correctly for today. So just so you know. All right. So your first Slack question is, what do you know about Habakkuk? So throw that into Slack General um, without looking at your Bibles. Put it in there and we're going to see how much you guys know about Habakkuk. All right. So before we get to that, let's do a little bit of a um, background. So uh, this is going to be, today's sermon is going to be more like a history is so awesome and we're going to learn it thing than it is like a sermon in particular. So uh, let's talk about prophets, first of all. So some people think that prophets are like um, future predictors or like fortune tellers or something like that. Like, oh, I gave a prophecy that the world's going to end on like January 15th and stuff like that. But that is not what the traditional um, prophets are from the Old Testament. So I want to read you about the first time uh, that we t- they talk about prophets in the Old Testament. This is Deuteronomy 18, 15 to 22. And this is Moses talking to, well, this is the Lord talking to Moses. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb, On the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see the great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name. I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word the Lord has just spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously, and you need not be afraid of him. Okay, so this is what was happening. The the Israelites, which is all of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's descendants, have come out of Egypt. They've wandered around in the desert for 40 years because they didn't have enough uh, courage to go in and take the land. So now this is a whole new generation, and they're about to go into the promised land. And Moses is not going with them. So he's preparing them for what they're going to have to do. And unfortunately, from the beginning, instead of the people having an intimate relationship with God, they were like, I'm afraid of God. We don't want to hear from God. We want you to hear from God and then tell us what to do. And so that was basically Moses' job. And now he's going to pass the baton to Joshua. They're going to go in. They're going to like take the promised land. And then um, they're going to uh, be good, perfect people forever. 
sort of, but not really. So basically, God already knows ahead of time that the Israelites are going to mess up because God knows that all of us are going to mess up. And because he is a gracious and a loving God, he has already told them that at some point when you mess up, I'm not just going to leave you in that. I'm going to send you someone, a prophet, and he's going to explain to you all the things you've done wrong and the way back to God. And that is basically the role of the prophets. So at first, uh, so they all settled in the land, and Joshua's like, are you going to do all the commandments of the Lord, which are basically summed up in love the Lord and be kind to your neighbor, right? Are you going to do all the commands of the Lord? And the people are like, yes, we are, yes, we are. And then like a little while later, they forgot. Because one of the biggest problems was they were surrounded by a bunch of nations that all had different gods. And instead of just focusing on their God, who they called Yahweh or the Lord, uh, they would get mixed up with all the other people around them, and they would start to follow their gods. And their gods were nasty and wanted terrible things and awful, awful things like child sacrifice and bad stuff and that kind of thing. And so the people would fall away, and then they would, uh, bad stuff would happen to them. And then, um, kind of like us, They'd be like, oh, shoot, I kind of messed this up. Okay, Lord, can you help us now? And then the Lord would send a prophet, or for the first section, it was called a judge. And the Lord would give the judge the word, and the judge would be like, if you do this, it will be wonderful. And then they would be like, yes, Lord, we're going to do this. And then uh, everything would be solved, and they'd go on again. And then it would fall away again. And they did that for a, uh, a while. And then what they decided was they needed a king. Because everybody else has a king. So if everybody else has a king, why can't we have a king? Because kings are good. And the Lord was like, okay, well, you can have a king, but kings will take all your money and all your stuff and make you work for them. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we need a king. Kings are good. All right. So they got a king, uh, Saul, and he didn't turn out so right. Then they got David, and he was pretty good, except for the bad things he did. And then David had a son named Solomon, who was like the wisest guy because of this dream. And then he had like a lot of wives, and they kind of made him go astray. So as smart as he was, he ended up kind of stupid. And then he had a son, and this guy was not so bright. So he was like, I am powerful, and he was in charge of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so some of the tribes came to him and were like, you're taking too much of our money, you're making us work too hard, and so we think you should like give us a break, like a tax credit, basically. And so he went to the older, wiser people in his midst, and they said, yeah, that would be really good. You should give them a tax break. And then he went to his young friends, and they were like, no, dude, then we lose some money, and we can't like party as hard. So he was like, yeah, let's go with the young people. So uh, he did that, and then the 10 tribes were like, forget it then, you're not our king. And they split in 940 BC. So now there is the, uh, the northern tribes, which is called Israel, and there are the southern tribes, which is called Judah. Which is, so the Judah tribes are the, it's Judah and Benjamin, and then the 10 tribes in the north. And because God loved David, he promised that there would be this king in Judah, Okay. 
So then they, uh, you can read about them. There are good kings and there are bad kings, but there are mostly bad kings. And the problem with the bad kings is they do not hold to worshiping God the way God wants them to be held, to be worshiped. And so, but God is gracious and he sends them a prophet and they say, stop doing all the bad stuff. And they're like, oh, okay. Or they're like, no, we won't. And then finally, in 740, so after a couple hundred years, there's this people in the north called the Assyrians, and they are like, come down, and the prophets warn, if you do not listen to God, then bad stuff will happen, and they don't listen to God. And from 740 to 722 AD, the Assyrians completely wipe out the Israelites. And what the Assyrians would do is come in, slaughter people, and then take all the leaders and the wise people and move them out to another country and just leave the poor behind. And then they would bring other people in and they would like have them all marry off. And that is where we get the Samaritans from, from the Good Samaritan story, just so you know. Uh, and so now we are in, uh, after that, so now we are entering the time of Habakkuk. So the 10 tribes are gone, they're like wiped out, and now... Um, Habakkuk is down in Judah. So let's see how we did on what people know about Habakkuk. Nobody knows anything about? Oh, okay. Wait, wait, it's catching up. It's definitely in the Bible. No specific parts come to mind. All right. Somebody knows how to spell it. That's really good because I couldn't spell it a few times. And uh, that's it. Okay, see? That's kind of how I was with Habakkuk, right? So let me give you the background of actual Habakkuk. Um, so like I said, so Habakkuk lived in Judah, the southern kingdom, after the fall of Israel. And we think that he lived between 640 and 598 B.C., at the time, Judah was actually experiencing a, a really good amount of wealth and prosperity, but the people were not living according to the covenant. One of the biggest things that God has in his covenant is that you need to take care of the poor and the needy. He cares about the poor and the needy. He cares about the widows and the orphans and those that are outcasts. And so while there was great wealth in Judah, the people were not taking care of the poor. And that was what Habakkuk was quite distressed by. I'm going to read Habakkuk 1 to 4 so we can see what he's talking about. 1, 1 to 4. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet spoke, saw. O Lord, how shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arrive. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. This is kind of Habakkuk is crying out. And what's a little bit different about Habakkuk than the other prophets is that usually the books, the, pro the prophetic books, are about a prophet going and warning either Israel or Judah about the things that, they're, that are happening. But Habakkuk is actually, it's, there's three chapters, and it's a conversation between God and Habakkuk that's recorded for us. And it starts with Habakkuk crying out, why, Lord? Why, why is this happening? 
Why are there people being persecuted? And why are you letting this go on? And I'm not going to spoil it for you because it's super interesting how it keeps going. But Rob's going to talk about that for the next, first, the next few weeks. Um, Habakkuk, yeah, so Habakkuk's, Habakkuk's question is, why is this happening? And when God does give him an answer, he's a little confused by the answer. So I'm going to leave that for Rob to do. But the one question I have is, um, how do we compare to Habakkuk's situation? What, how do we compare to what's going on? How are we reacting? And we can put this in Slack. How are we reacting to the things that are happening in the world around us? Because we live in a time like Habakkuk does, where there is evil happening, and where we are being impacted by the things that are going on in the world. And what are we doing about the fact that the poor and the needy and the downtrodden are still with us? So this is our question for Slack. Do we sometimes ask God for something, and then we're confused when he answers us in a way that we didn't, respect, didn't expect? Are we, like, a little bit prone to explaining to God, like, what the right solution would be? And then when he doesn't give us the solution we want, we're like, wait a minute, God, are you sure you know what you're doing? Um, Someone wrote, there's one verse from it, the righteous shall live by their faith. I think that Paul quotes that several times in his letter. It's true, right? The righteous will live by faith. And it's really only through our faith in God that we're able to, um, it's really only through the, our, the more we allow ourselves to be like Christ, the more we follow what God has called us to do. It's the only way that we're able to do the things uh, that he wants us to do. All right, we will learn from the story of Habakkuk that as we go, de- as we go deeper over the next few weeks, that even when world events are confusing, even when we don't understand why God does what God does, we need to trust God and we need to act as people of integrity. And that's basically what we're going to learn from the story of Habakkuk. <laughs>